From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. My guest today is an ear, nose, and throat specialist from Upstate, Dr. Jesse Ryan, and he's going to talk about head and neck cancers. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. So to begin with, when we say head and neck cancers, what does that encompass? So head and neck cancer uh, for us will include anything in the mouth, the tongue, uh, the back of the throat, uh, the voice box. Also included would be thyroid cancer, salivary gland cancers, and even some aggressive uh, skin cancers. Oh, okay. In the head and neck area. Correct. On the face, typically, for skin cancers. So which are the most common that you see? The most common that we'll see are cancers coming from the lining of the throat. So these are called squamous cell carcinomas, and that refers to the lining both of the skin and on the inside of the mouth, uh, on the tongue, the back of the tongue, the side walls of the throat in the areas people um, would call the tonsils uh, Mm. on the side, and then the voice box-related cancers. These are almost always squamous cell carcinomas. Okay. Um, Do you know how many people are affected in general by head and neck cancers? Uh, some numbers would estimate about 50,000 people a year are diagnosed with either an, what are called oral or oropharyngeal cancers, so that's the mouth or uh, the back of the throat. And then, for instance, another 60,000 people a year have thyroid cancer diagnosed. The other cancer sites are going to be lower numbers, relatively more rare. Okay. Well, what is, uh, in your practice, um, typically how many patients do you see? The Upstate Cancer Center, uh, here we treat uh, several hundred patients a year with with head and neck cancer. Okay. So the risk factors for head and neck cancers traditionally have been things like smoking and alcohol consumption. Is that still the case? Things are changing in the world of uh, cancer in the mouth and throat. So while smoking and alcohol are still major factors for voice box related cancers, as they are for things like lung cancer, uh, in the mouth and sides of the throat, so the back of the tongue and tonsils, cancer related to a virus called the human papillomavirus, uh, the same virus that causes cervical cancer in women, is now the leading cause of cancer in those sites. The leading cause, wow. It is, and in fact, uh, I believe the numbers have shown that the number of oral and back of the tongue cancers caused by this virus are now higher than the number of cervical cancers in the country. Wow. And this is for men and women? This affects men and women. Uh, The virus is felt to be nearly ubiquitous. So almost everybody has been exposed to one form or another of the virus in their lifetime. And there are certain uh, forms of the virus that have a higher tendency to to, uh, develop into a cancer over time. This is a long time exposure. You may have been exposed to the virus uh, 20 or 30 years ago. You would never know it. And uh, 20 or 30 years later, you may develop a cancer. So these are are patients who are healthier, don't have um, smoking habits, are not heavy drinkers. And uh, in that way, often they're not thinking of themselves as at risk for cancer. And fairly young, too. Younger patients as well, exactly. Is this um, what the actor Michael Douglas had this a few years the, back? This is a similar type of cancer. I'm not sure if his was the viral-related one or not. Okay. 
All right, but I remember um, stories about that, and he had, the implication was that he had contracted it through oral sex. Yeah, so the, uh, initially a lot of thoughts were related to um, number of sexual partners or high-risk activities being uh, a high risk for developing this type of cancer. I think um, in the head and neck cancer world now, we, we tend to focus more on the idea that almost everybody has got some sort of exposure. You shouldn't think of it like uh, someone's got some unusual um, deviant practice and that's why they're at high risk for this. Uh, it doesn't have to be through um, sexual contact. It can be, you know, you can get it from your sister, you can get it, you know, from mm -hmm. your mother, you can get it from a friend. It, it's not felt to be transmitted only um, in that way. So um, this is the virus that they have the vaccination for now for the teenagers or preteens? Right. So there is some hope that over the course of the coming decades that we'd see a decline in this type of cancer as the vaccine is um, uh, comes to full use and as those children you know, then grow up into adulthood. Well, in the meantime, um, what are the symptoms that someone should be on the lookout for? In terms of uh, head, neck, and mouth cancers, any sore inside the mouth or on the lips that doesn't go away within a couple weeks needs the attention of your doctor. Um, do they do they go away and come back, or so many people will get a canker sore, or have a cold sore that may last for a week, um, or they bite their tongue and it it's going to heal within a week or two. Okay. If a sore stays there and doesn't go away or a growth stays anywhere inside the mouth and doesn't go away, then that's the type of thing we worry about. Cancer doesn't go away and come back in the same spot or in a different spot. Um, it tends to just stay there and get worse, but it doesn't have to uh, grow quickly necessarily. Um, so anything in the, in the mouth longer than a few weeks deserves attention. Um, other things that uh, patients should be aware of would be Similarly, a sore throat that doesn't go away, a change in the voice that doesn't go away. Everyone's allowed to have a cold and be hoarse for a few days, but if it stays for a couple weeks, then that's something that needs attention. There might be attention. something else going on. Yeah, same for okay. a, a lump in the neck. That's a common way for uh, patients to notice a cancer would be an adult with a new lump in the neck. Often it doesn't hurt. Um, if that's not associated with, with an illness, if you're sick and your glands are enlarged, that's fine. But if, if that stays, um, then again, that needs attention because that's not normal. And uh, these cancers have a tendency to spread to the neck early. So they may be very small in the back of the tongue or in the tonsil and not have any symptoms in the mouth, but have showed up in the neck. And that's how they're often diagnosed. Um, the good how, news, how big would the lump in the neck be? Well, it could be anywhere from a, a marble size to a lemon, wow. uh, depending okay. on, uh, on the patient. So it would be noticeable, probably? Or? It, they tend to be noticeable yeah, in many patients, and that's often the first uh, way it's diagnosed. The good news is that these types of cancers uh, respond better to treatment than some of the traditional cancers. Hmm. And in fact, coming next year, there's going to be a new staging system for head and neck cancer, specifically addressing this viral-related cancers uh, and refiguring the staging of the cancers based on um, 
essentially completely different factors than have traditionally been done because these cancers behave in ways that, uh, that are different from the smoking and drinking related cancers of 30 and 40 years ago. Oh, interesting. Um, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Jesse Ryan, an otolaryngologist at Upstate. Um, so if you have these symptoms, how do you go about diagnosing that it's a head and neck cancer? So a, a traditional pathway will be uh, someone will either see their dentist or see their primary care uh, for a spot that they're worried about. And uh, the primary care will often refer to a ear, nose, and throat specialist for an additional exam. And, and dentists also can refer? The dentists are, yes, they can refer, and they've been increasingly doing more uh, mouth exams in the office. You may notice that your dentist is you know, pulling at your tongue and looking around more than they did 10 years ago, and um, I think they've made a concerted effort to try to help diagnose these cancers, and, and with good success, we get a number of referrals directly from uh, our dental colleagues. Um, a exam in the office, in your nose and throat office, um, will include a, a good look all around the, the mouth and then often using a flexible camera through the nose to look down toward the voice box. Can you tell by looking if it's a cancer? Sometimes you can tell by the appearance that it's almost certainly going to be a cancer. Um, a cancer is always diagnosed under the microscope by the pathologist, though. So that's either a biopsy using a needle for a lump in the neck or a biopsy taking a very small piece of uh, growth on the tongue or the back of the tongue and then sending it to the lab and letting the pathologist look at it under the microscope. Sometimes the biopsies can be done in the office. Sometimes we need to go to the operating room if the location of concern is too deep um, so that the gag reflex is too much to do in the office or for patient comfort. Okay. All right. So once you have the diagnosis and then um, it, it gets staged so that you know how, how advanced? Right. So the, the biopsy helps tell us a lot. Often there are scans that are done like CT scans, sometimes an MRI scan. There are fancier scans called PET scans that look at activity of cells in the body. It's, it's uh, labeled sugar. All of our cells use sugar as energy. So the scan takes advantage of that. Um, cancer cells are working harder than other cells, so they will sh use more sugar and show up brighter on these scans. Other things show up brighter too. If you sprain your ankle, if you have an infection, those cells are working more too. So just because it's bright doesn't mean it's cancer, but in the context of a known cancer and a known biopsy, then it's important information. Um, so that that rolls into the staging of a cancer. And then uh, there are three main treatment options for any, any type of cancer. Generally, we're talking about surgery, uh, radiation therapy, or chemotherapy. In, in, the, in that order? No, or not necessarily in that order, just the three uh, buckets of treatment. Okay. For head and neck cancers, Either surgery or radiation therapy is typically the primary treatment, would be considered the, the uh, first-line treatment with chemotherapy reserved to either increase the effectiveness of radiation therapy. So a common treatment for a back-of-the-tongue cancer that's spread to lymph nodes in the neck may be a combination of radiation therapy or chemo, uh, and chemotherapy. Or if there's any signs that the cancer is acting aggressively or is, uh, has a high risk of spreading to other parts in the body, then chemotherapy is the only 
uh, systemic type treatment. So that's going to circulate throughout the body and potentially get those cancer cells that are trying to spread somewhere else. So it really is going to depend on the individual patient what becomes recommended for... That's true. So the, our, at Upstate, our uh, cancer specialists meet on a weekly basis at what we call a tumor conference or a head and neck multidisciplinary conference, and we'll discuss each of the new cancer diagnoses, uh, each patient individually, and try to give what is Upstate's recommendation for how to proceed uh, with cancer treatment. Neat, yeah. neat. Well, um, tell me a little bit about some of the recent advances for surgery. So there's been some exciting changes in uh, surgery over the last number of years. Um, one is a robotic technology that's uh, been used in many fields of surgery. Some patients may be aware that their um, prostate surgery or uh, other general surgery is using the robot to less invasively do major surgery uh, with great results. In the head and neck, um, some tumors are able to be removed using the robot from the back of the tongue, for instance, that um, 30 years ago to remove them would have required a much more aggressive surgery uh, in order to even get at the growth in the back of the tongue. Mm -hmm. um, it's a matter of having the right tools to fit in through a small space. So there is good evidence that some patients can avoid radiation therapy or avoid chemotherapy and, and just have surgery primarily for these tumors uh, at the back of the tongue, for instance, or the tonsil that over the last 10 or 20 years had mostly been treated by radiation and chemotherapy. Okay. Uh, there's some other exciting changes in the world of reconstructive surgery. So um, in addition to doing cancer surgery, uh, for some patients, I will do the reconstructive surgery that involves... At the same time, or is it would that be done a separate... It would be done at the same setting. So some, some patients... Uh, Require, do require a, a fairly large surgery to remove a cancer. So, for instance, if you have a cancer on the tongue that, that involves a significant portion of the tongue, you remove the cancer and then you've got to fill the hole in there and fix it. So there are a variety of ways we, we do that, but one of them is by transferring tissue from another part of the body. It's like a transplant within your own okay. body. So you don't have to worry about rejection of the transplant. Um, but the, the blood vessels are, are sewn together under the microscope using um, thread that's smaller than a human hair, and uh, that tissue is then reconstructed to help reform a tongue or reform a jaw. Uh, there is additional computer technology that we're using in the uh, jaw reconstruction now, so we're able to take a CT scan from the patient, and before doing the surgery, we'll be able to meet with a company on the computer uh, using a teleconference and do the surgery ahead of time on the computer and show them where we want to cut the bone and how we want to reconstruct the jaw. And then the company will produce custom fitted guides both to help uh, cut the jaw and to reconstruct the jaw. Interesting. Um, and even create a custom titanium plate that's milled just for that patient in Germany and then shipped over here. Um, and so it's been pretty exciting and we've been able to get uh, lower times of surgery as a result and get improved results, I think, in terms of the well, quality. Well, it all sounds very futuristic and very interesting. Uh, my guest has been Upstate Otolaryngologist, Dr. Jesse Ryan. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's HealthLink on Air podcast and talk show.